0: Welcome into The Warehouse, a show which covers the Baltimore Orioles and Major League Baseball. The Warehouse is part of BSL Radio. Baltimore Sports and Life is dedicated to analysis and discussion on the Orioles, Baltimore Ravens, and the University of Maryland. The site has a team of writers providing coverage of those teams and houses live streaming content weekly. Join the conversations at the message board, like BSL on Facebook, and follow BSL on Twitter. On, Twitter. On, Twitter. on Twitter. Welcome into the warehouse. I'm Chris Stoner, and I'm joined, as always, by Matt Corey and Bob Harkins. And Matt, how you doing tonight? I'm doing good, Chris. How are you? Doing good, Bob. How about yourself?
1: Doing good. Hot out here in California. Yeah.
0: All right, we'll continue our uh, previews. We've last two weeks, we've looked at the American League East and the National League East. Uh, obviously, not going to get through, I guess, all the divisions unless we really uh, uh, do an extended look maybe next week. But uh, at least tonight, we're going to take a look at the American League Central. Uh, interesting division. Uh, so let's, let's just let's jump right into that. Uh, Matt, you were looking at the Indians. What, what were your thoughts there? Um, well, the Indians and in the
2: are i mean they're a really strong team and and you know uh, as this is an orioles podcast that might be a little whiplash inducing um but they have a lot of good players and those good players are going to be on the major league roster so uh so they they are going to win some games uh <laughs> and I'm being, uh, uh Lind- I'm being lindor. a jerk on purpose, I, uh, yeah i mean lindor is is the is the big the big name there obviously but Um, you know, they've got, uh, Jose Ramirez who, who had a really bizarre, uh, season last year, got off to a really slow start that sort of lasted a long time. And then finally came around at the end of the year. But, uh, I don't think there's any, really any reason to expect that he won't be really good, um, you know, this year, other than the fact that it's a 60 game season and shrugging emoji. Um, but I think the, you know, the strength of, of the Indians is, is really their, um, you know, they're, they're starting pitching with uh, Clevenger and, and Bieber. Um, you know, they, they got rid of Trevor Bauer. They got rid of uh, Corey Kluber, but they still have this, you know, really strong rotation. Um, they have Aaron Savali also. Um, and uh, you know, I, I, I think, um, I think if they're going to win the division, that's where it's going to come from. um and you know they they have the offense they you know they have the the fielding Lindor is is a fantastic defensive shortstop, um, you know and and uh, what has he got two years left I want to say uh, yeah, before he the, end of the market, so the end
0: of next end of next year and I guess right. there was a CBS article from uh, Mike Access who suggested uh, the Indians if they got off to a slow start they might look to unload. Lindor this year at the trade deadline. Uh, Mike brought up the point, however, that uh, the Indians would be limited to players that are on the existing 60-man rosters of, of, of teams now.
2: Well, uh, there is a potential workaround there that the um, the A's and Padres, um, who just execre- executed a trade uh, like a week ago, um, it, it was a trade for a, sort of a backup middle infield guy. I can't remember his name, but, but it, he was dealt for a player to be named later. Um, and so potentially, I'm not sure if I've heard that this has been sorted out, but potentially if you deal for a player to be named later, it doesn't have to be the uh, guy on that 60 man roster. Um, could be the work
0: around there. Right? Yeah. And I mean. so
2: that could, that could open things up, but I think it'd be really complicated to trade Lindor this, you know, this year because you just you're, you're dealing with with such a small, uh, uh, you know, sample of games, and and he's such a good player, and he's also you know expensive at this point. Um, so I, I think it, I think
0: it's also think hard it's to imagine that trade deadline, a month into the you know thirty games in, that Cleveland's going to be out of any potential race at that point. Everybody figures to be
2: pretty exactly. much. In the- <laughs> yeah, exactly.
0: So I, I think you're,
2: uh, I think you're talking about, you know, certainly a top three in the Central of, of the Indians, the the Twins, and and the White Sox in in some order. And I think most people are expecting the you know Twins, Indian Indians to to battle that out. But because you're at a sixty game season, it, it could really end up with with just about any outcome short of you know the Royals or Tigers at the top. I think that's rather unlikely. Bob uh,
0: Matt mentions uh, the White Sox there uh, they are getting a lot of publicity as the season prepares to begin a lot of people uh, believe they're a potential uh, Cinderella type team what do you see in Chicago yeah great
1: segue uh, yeah they've been <laughs> buzzy for you know over a year now and it's understandable why I mean they've They've got a nice young core. They've got Lucas Giolito, and they've got Tim Anderson, who I keep having to remind myself won the batting title last year. Um, Eloy Jimenez, Joan Mancada, and I'm destroying these names. But, you know, and then they go out and they get Edwin Encarnacion, Yasmani Grandal, Dallas Keuchel. So, you know, you can see why there's some excitement there. Um, you know, I was looking at some of the uh stat projections and the kind of the consensus is that maybe they're not a playoff team this year, or maybe they're kind of fringy playoff team. Uh it, Fangraphs has them at about maybe a 500 team, uh probably third place behind uh, the twins and the Indians, but, but, you know, only like four or five games out, something, something like that around in that range. And that seems, you know, maybe, maybe, I mean, you never know what's going to happen in a short season, but that seems reasonable to me. You know, give these guys a year to get a little older, and except for Encarnacion, maybe we can get him younger, and then uh, <laughs> and then see what happens. But you you know, as Matt pointed out, that the Indians are very good, and you know why they they keep seeming to want to look to break that team up. I don't know, but but I guess finances. But and then the Twins are up there too, and the Twins, as Matt will say. I'm sure, are looking very good <laughs> themselves. So, you know, I I would say you know, anything can happen. They they've got a chance. They're they're in the middle there. They should be in the middle there, but maybe maybe a year yeah, away if, from if, being a, a real contender.
0: Right. If they're a 500ish team this year with upside that uh, leads well into 21, but if they're a 500. 500- Ish team this year, they're one hot series away from being right in that in that wild card mix in a sixty game um, uh, season. So, uh, Matt, you had mentioned the Twins. Bob uh, you know, set you up there as well. Twins had uh, until they get to the postseason; they've been a, a capable team for, for, for <laughs> many years now. Uh, they've got a nice core. We talked about adding Donaldson last. Last week, uh, right. looking at the Twins, what do you see there?
2: Yeah, uh, I, I think you know the. I mean, what did they hit? Three hundred and seven homers last year. I think they hit more home runs than any team uh, in in the majors, and I think that's the, if I remember correctly, it's the most home runs any team has ever hit. Uh, and I think you know with with Donaldson now, we, we you know you you, ex- you expect more of the same. Obviously, the the numbers are going to be different because the season is shorter. But um, you know they. You know to me the question is is can, can their pitching hold up um, you know is, is jose barrios gonna take that next step is Jake odorizzi really that good they added kent to maeda um, and they're gonna use him as a as a starter the Dodgers kind of bounced him back and forth um, and you know they they added uh, Pineda who I is he suspended? I, I think he's suspended. I think so yeah um yeah um, you know, Mitch Garver hit a million homers last year. Is he going to be able to do that again? Same with Miguel Sano. So, um, but they've got a bunch of guys on that team who can just really, uh, really crush the ball. And, you know, if if the if the pitching shows up, then, then this is the best team in the Central and one of the best teams in the American League. And, and if it doesn't, then they're probably just going to score a, a ridiculous number of runs anyway. So um, they should be a fun team to watch for sure.
0: Uh, Bob in 2014 AL Championship Series, Baltimore versus Kansas City. Uh, (laughs) Not so much in 2020, Uh, but uh, Kansas City is also in a rebuilding mode, and they have uh, several pieces, and you can start to see the – the outline of their future team uh what are the royals looking like as 20
1: begins yeah six years is a long time huh a lot can happen (laughs) in six years um it's true yeah you know it's funny the tigers and the orioles seem to get all the credit for kind of being you know the teams that'll battle for the number one pick in the draft but the, the royals aren't probably aren't that much better than those teams they do have you know a couple of nice veterans they've got whit merrifield who's probably put up an OPS around 800. He'll get a, hit a few home runs. He'll steal some bases, and they've got a Jorge Soler, who hit 48 home runs last year. Also struck out 178 times, but we don't care about strikeouts <laughs> anymore, right? Uh, so they've got some good players, but but um, not enough to really contend, probably. The thing, if, if I was a Royals fan, the thing I would be really excited about would be the young pitchers they have coming up, and uh, they've got Really, three guys who all were in, uh, I believe, double A. No, Daniel Lynch was in high A last year. Uh, Jackson Coar and Brady Singer were double A guys. And all three of those guys could make an appearance this season. Um, They all had decent seasons in double A. They're all highly touted. And Lynch, while he did um, top out at high A, he did pitch in the Arizona Fall League and did decently there. So, you know, that's kind of the thing that might segue into our next team too, because I think there's some similarities there, but uh young pitchers coming up uh, something to be excited about there. If you're, if you're a Royals fan.
0: So as you allude uh, to Bob, the next team uh, is Detroit. Um, yeah. You know, not getting a whole, a uh, lot of love and uh, understandably of where they are right now, but also uh, you are starting Like the Royals, you can start to see some players that could comprise their next core. uh, Who could you be looking forward to potentially seeing this year uh, make their way to the majors for Detroit?
1: Yeah, similar to the Royals. They have a trio of young pitchers who will probably be uh, showing up at some point this year. Uh, Casey Mize, the number one overall pick in 2018, had a really nice nice year he ended up in double a and was good there and and the thing that stuck out to me is he had a, like a two 2.1 walk rate in double a which is like okay this guy this guy might be polished a little more polished than uh, some other guys at that level matt manning is another first rounder who's uh was actually a first rounder in 2016 but he's still only 22 years old and uh he struck out like 148 guys and gave up seven home runs and. Hundred and thirty-three innings. And there's a lefty, Tarek uh Skubal, I guess is how you say that name, it was a ninth rounder who is another guy that could be showing up this year. And he struck out uh eighty two guys in forty two innings. So that that's that's a pretty impressive number that caught my eye. So, you know, very similar to, to the Royals, young pitchers showing up and um but otherwise you know, yeah. be at probably at right. the bottom. No.
0: At all for uh, Detroit and Kansas City, and but they get to potentially play spoiler for the other three teams in their division. Uh, how the White Sox, Twins, and Indians play against uh, Kansas City and Detroit probably would be pretty telling in terms of who takes uh, takes the Central. Uh, Matt, we'll get into a larger preview probably uh, next week of the National League Central, but just uh, top of your head, uh, which division do you think? Is stronger the AL Central or uh, NL Central? Uh,
2: hmm. that's a good question. Um, I would say the AL Central. There's, I don't think there's. I and I haven't studied this because we didn't. Yeah, uh, yeah, this wasn't discussed. Uh, uh, time, but, and you, uh, uh,
0: wild card there. And I I, I kind of had the same takeaway, and we will can give a further look next week. But generally, my point there was going to be. Uh, you know how the top three in the AL Central do against uh, Kansas City and Detroit, and then also how uh, how the Interleague uh, goes, you know, versus a National League Central. Which uh, to me, it looked like the top of the AL Central was um, maybe a cut above. But we'll, we'll take a further look uh, 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 next week there.
2: Well, one thing, so, one thing, Chris, if I may, uh, one, one thing, uh, Orioles-centric point. Uh, you know, if if we're if we're discussing. You know who's going to end up with you know the the first pick overall in the draft. Um, the Orioles have, at least uh, from what I've seen, that the hardest schedule uh, of any team in baseball, um, and so that will certainly affect their their record um, harder than than the teams in the Central Division will will have because there's there's you know there's just some more mediocrity you know at, at the at the end of both of those divisions that that just doesn't exist really outside of Miami, um, you know, and, and Baltimore. And Baltimore is Baltimore, so they don't get to play Baltimore. Right. Uh, and there's
0: also just – uh, there's another level of parity, I believe, in the central between those teams versus the, uh, the cream of the crop in both eastern divisions, which have the higher ceilings. Uh, right. Oh, so it's not ju- – <laughs> yeah. Uh, but – Outside of Miami, in the National League East, the other four East teams, they all look at least competitive. And then the American League is always, to me, a cut above everybody else. But, uh, yeah. Uh, so that'll be fun. We'll see. Uh, I did see, again, referencing that CBS article from Axel. I think he put the uh, – uh, only slight high probability over under for the Orioles of uh, 10 wins we'll, we'll see uh for that a, yeah. 10 and 50, a 10 and 50 game stretch even when I'm dying to see some baseball would be pretty uh uh brutal but you know, we're we'll can, see can i ask
2: you as a, uh, as a as a fan chris what uh what would you prefer the Orioles do would you prefer that they you know try to get closer to 500 this year or or uh do you think it's better to just shoot for that, you know, that 10 win season and, and, uh, and then go, I don't, I don't,
0: I don't care if they play the players that could potentially comprise their future and they win 10 games. I would be irritated by putting out a product of players you definitively know are not part of your future and win, and, and win 10 games. Um, uh, uh, you know, uh, some of that is semantic, but it, to me it's...
2: No, I think, I think that's I, right. I, I, yeah.
0: <laughs> I mean, we, I'm sorry to go back to this well, because we've mentioned it about three times in the last few weeks. But, again, my favorite <laughs> season as a fan was the 89 Orioles. 88 Orioles, they lost 100-plus games, 21 games in a row to start the year. 89, they're in contention until the final weekend. Now... It's a much different environment in baseball in 2020 versus 1989 because if you look at the payroll disparities between the, the leaders, everybody was really bunched up and there was only a fraction of dollars even with inflation in 1989. So there are payroll concerns and you have to think about long-term in how you're going build, to build a roster, especially in, if you're the Orioles in the East and you're competing against Boston and New York and there's annual uh, revenues, how you're going to build your team. So... We were going to get it to later, but we can discuss it here for a second in terms of like somebody like Mountcastle. Do you keep him? uh, Do you play him immediately? Probably not. You let him sit down a week so you gain that additional year of control, and that's understandable. But there are other players on the roster that, um, you know, even with this 30 man roster that you can look at and you say, well, this guy is not going to be part of your of your future. And to me, the best thing the Orioles can do in this 60 game stretch is evaluate players and at least have a chance to be part of your, part of your next team.
2: <laughs> no, I yeah. think that's exactly right. And the, the thing that strikes me, um, you know, just listening to you talk there, Chris, is that the, the Orioles are, you know, a, a little bit up against it by the fact that they've got this shortened season. I mean, they're really not going to be able to do the, the evaluations that they want to do, and they're also not going to be able to turn around and move guys for prospects in the way that they might want to do it. Um, Now that's, that's me guessing, obviously, you know, as we've discussed, it's hard to predict how the trade deadline is going to work out, but it seems likely that things are going to be more constrained a little bit at least. And that, that'll work against the team that, You know, in terms of selling, terms of
0: trading, they they might have been fairly limited in the in the players that they could potentially move. Anyway, I imagine they're they're further constrained as is. But this is, uh, I would I would argue, the Orioles have been as impacted as much as any team by uh, this shortened season because by mid May in a normal season they would have been bringing up players that would have gotten an extended look this year that may or may not touch the majors at all this year and if they're getting any play at all this summer it's going to be in these you know little extended camps and they're not and they're not getting either even development at the uh minor league level and having uh, having that opportunity so that's a it's a whole nother year really in terms of Lost development, of course, everybody is going through that in baseball, but other teams have actual players <laughs> on their on their roster that right already exists. Where the Orioles are trying to figure out what exactly do we potentially have within the system. Uh,
2: they so, also, yeah, they also the Orioles also got screwed in the in the draft uh, because you know normally you, they would have had the first pick every round, or sorry, second pick every round. Um, for 40 rounds but this year they only had the second pick for five rounds so it yeah. was so you know we really can yeah. thank
0: all of baseball all of the owners for deciding that a uh, full draft was going to be too much for their uh, uh, their payroll when we're talking about potentially I believe 10 million or so in in total total outlay in, in salary which, which was you know, scheme of things is nothing for yeah. for a major league franchise. Ridiculous. Uh, uh, and they've punted the international, uh, the second part of the international, to uh, December, I believe. December, yeah, uh, yeah. So uh, it's uh, we could go down that well again, but uh, yeah. well, it just
2: makes building a roster for the future really hard, like harder than normal.
0: Yeah. So as you want to build out a roster, you eventually want to have some All-Stars comprising uh, uh, those teams. And uh, at ESPN this week, they had an article looking at would-be projected uh, All-Stars for this 2020 season. Of course, there will be no All-Star game. Bob, what did you see in that article? Uh, What stood out to you of those uh, projected rosters?
1: Well, first of all, I found the whole exercise kind of amusing. We're just pick an all-star team but I guess I guess when you think about it it's not worse than the actual way we pick an all-star team where it's just like two two months of play and you know whoever was hot for two months becomes an all-star but whatever it's for the fans it's a popularity contest and that's fine um so I I don't know if I had any serious takeaways about it I did I do notice I did notice that with Anthony Rendon and Josh Donaldson moving to the AL basically the NL has Nolan Arenado at third and the AL has all the other third basemen now. All of them, like Bregman, Ramirez, all these guys. Um and I was very excited for the being if this is
0: an Orioles pod, I guess I'd be remiss not to if I didn't mention Machado, see if he oh. can pick up his game in uh in uh year two uh, uh there with, with uh the Padres. But pretty disappointing start for
1: his uh, uh National League uh, uh
0: debut. But yeah. Point, point it's it a tough is. park, and there's
1: a lot of tough parks in that division and some pretty good yeah. teams too. Um, but Michael Gibbons, there's your Orioles All Star if you want to talk Orioles. So that's that's pretty exciting. I mean, I don't know. It's it was fun. It was a fun article. I guess I, I like I like it, it seems to be typical. I like the hitters and the ale and the pitchers in the national league. But um, you know, what'd you think, Matt? I thought it was kind of fun.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I I would echo your comments. I think it's it's a little silly, but because you're you're basing it off what last year, but um, what else do you have to base it off of? I the thing that stood out to me was, um, you know, Mookie Betts wasn't a starter, um, and uh, you know, I I would. I would gently disagree with that, I guess, but um, but uh, it's also impressive how stacked, uh, not just the actual, uh, you know, the, the all star lineup, the uh, made up all star lineup uh, is with Acuna, Bellinger, and Yelich uh, in the outfield, um, but they also have Juan Soto, who's not out there, Bryce Harper, who's not out there. Um, it, it's a it's a crazy stacked outfield there in the uh, in the National League now.
0: That was kind of my point uh, I was going to mention there, Matt. And it was just that uh, I, I didn't look at it enough to look up the average age of the uh, two teams, but it seemed to me that uh, it was kind of a new, a new guard for baseball in, in both leagues. Uh, you can you just see the new stars that are really kind of going to comprise the game, at least uh, the, the start here in the 2020s. But, yeah, a fun article uh, that means nothing. <laughs> <And> we'll, <laughs> yeah. we'll, we'll see how uh, 60 game progresses. And maybe, you know, we, we said it off the air before the show started. We You know, there isn't an all-star game here uh, this year, but I do wonder if maybe they will uh, have postseason awards and maybe they will na- name a an all-star team uh, uh, after the season. But if they do, uh, 60 game stretch could have uh, uh, some wild looking teams. Probably much different than uh, uh, the projections there. Another article this week uh, was the uh, the ringer, which looked at the uh, uh, the K rate and basically the high level of strikeouts that has uh, propagated the game over the last uh, fourteen years or so. And last week we briefly touched on the idea of of in that same time period and not a coincidence of how homers have really changed. Uh, the game in that same uh, period. So I I don't think any of us have a real problem with, um, we all understand that why pitchers go for strikeouts and uh, you understand the hitters that it's uh, as they're going for more power, it's okay uh, overall for them to sacrifice uh, contact. So rationally, I I totally understand it. Uh, Matt, I guess where I have got to though, as a fan is that I find that the, Three true outcome walk Homer K is uh, not as an enjoyable watch for me as seeing contact. ESPN's been showing the Korean baseball league uh, in the mornings, and I found myself enjoying some of that because stylistically, just seeing more traditional uh, uh, level uh, level of play. I know you had some thoughts. What do you, what do you think there?
2: Yeah. Uh- I think when you have some context to compare it to, then, yeah, then I think you, you've sort of naturally, as I do, um, I agree with you, Chris, you know, you, you naturally end up, um, you know, enjoying the, the ball and play more. It's, it's definitely more interesting, more aesthetically pleasing uh, st- style of baseball, at least in my opinion. Um, that said, I'm not sure every fan has that much context to, to apply to it. I know, when you know, when I was younger, um, you know, we heard that same thing. The rise in strikeout rate has changed baseball and made it, you know, unwatchable because you know there's too much strikeouts and too much this and that, whatever. Um, and you know, this has been, as that article pointed out, this has been going on for a long time. The strikeouts have been going up in baseball for decades, um, and it's just sort of the natural order of of. Uh, the way the the game
0: is has progressed, so um, you know. Yeah, to, I, to I, use I, that horrible cliche, kind of is what it is, right? Uh, that's kind well, of a,
2: yeah. I mean, I, I think what you know, if you grow up in there, you know, strikeouts are at a certain level, and then uh, you know, as you age, strikeouts get more and more and more. Then you start to you have that level of comparison. But I think if you're a you know a 15 year old watching baseball, you don't. This is just baseball. This is the way it works, and you know, pitchers are used this way. And yeah, it, it just makes sense. It's uh, it's sort of, it's a, it sort of optimizes itself. And um, I I don't know. Also the, the other thought I had is I, I'm not sure if the average fan can discern the difference between an average of 14 strikeouts a game versus 16. Um, so. Right. maybe I, they
0: can. I, think, I, I think that's a fair point. Uh, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, Bob, uh, unless you have any real thoughts there, we can uh, move on. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I just have one thought, thought, just one
1: thought. And that's, um, that you love strikeouts when it's your guy, but you hate it. Otherwise, Uh, like I love going to the kingdom and watching Randy Johnson pitch. I would, we would schedule our outings around Randy Johnson, but, uh, but yeah, you you like the ball and play. And then one other quick thing, the players now are so much across the board, so much more athletic defense is more fun to watch in my opinion, than when I was a kid growing up. So that's, I guess a shame that we're not seeing more balls in play, but yeah, otherwise we we can move on. That's really all I had to say,
2: but it, it kind of, it kind of maximizes in a way, like the amount of times that the ball's put into play. It's, it's more enjoyable based on, based on that. You got a guy like, you know, uh, I'll go back to Mookie Betts forever. forever. <laughs> I'll go back to Mookie Betts. Uh, you know, when when the balls hit to you know hit the right field, it's uh it's always always uh you know amazing to watch him uh you know to to play it, um you know just just to field a ground ball and throw it back in and and keep the runner uh you know at first, um so I I don't know I I'm just a little skeptical I, that that the rise of strikeout rate is is really anything.
0: I think you both made interesting points there as uh somebody that's a fan of the game and which the three of us are but we all speak to people that are not uh, you know fans of uh, of baseball and I always think what would what's the balance between appealing to general general fan versus having the pure product that it, uh, that it is and just the people that enjoy the game will enjoy the game and, and not trying to appeal to people that That don't, but what I think gets missed is is your point, Bob, that the athleticism has greatly increased in baseball, and I would like like it to be shown in in different different ways. uh, uh, That somehow gets missed, I I, I think. Sometimes if you're just watching a game and you get the, you get the argument from people that that don't love baseball that it's just this slow product and they miss some of uh, the overall athleticism that exists. But uh, your both your points are valid there. And uh, to, to move on, Bob, you had uh, a couple of weeks ago we talked about Yasiel Puig, former Dodger. Uh, he came up this past week. He did find a new home with Atlanta. Prior to him signing with the Braves, there were some uh, rumors that propped up up. Uh, Popped up about him actually uh, joining the Orioles, which uh, caught me by surprise. Uh, Any quick take uh, take there of him uh, joining Atlanta? Yeah, I'll
1: try to keep my thoughts on Puig shorter this time. Uh, you know, Puig is—I don't think Puig is a bad guy. I think he's very much into Puig, and he's very much into having fun. And sometimes he maybe lacks some focus, and sort of all the Puigness sometimes rubs people the wrong way. I think I think he's a nice fit for Atlanta, though, and um, he does have a former Dodger ally and Charlie Culberson in the clubhouse there who said this about him. I really enjoyed Yasiel. Good person, good heart. He means well. He's got so much ability, so much talent. A lot of people are rubbed a little differently if he's on the opposing team. That's just his style of play. That's a pretty good summation of Puig. I think the bigger issue to me is what kind of player is he now in these days? Is he the player last year who was more or less... Uh, a league average player between Cleveland and Cincinnati, or is he like uh 15 to 20% above the average player, which is kind of the the range he was in before that.
0: Yeah, I would expect a 60 game season might energize him as well as being on a contender uh, for the Braves. He basically replaces Marcakis for the year. Uh, and again, former oil there marcacus probably uh, it will it, I'll say I love uh, Nick early in his career. And just to kind of randomly mention this, he's somebody that's going to be impacted by uh, this season as he is trying to hang around and get to 3,000 hits, which I don't think, I think if he did hit 3,000, he might be the first uh, player to not make the Hall of Fame. But uh, he, he is not, it's not out of the realm that he could hit that plateau. But missing this season is a uh, certainly going to impact uh, that uh, march there. Uh so we'll see we'll see how Puig does w- with Atlanta but I thought it was a pretty decent signing for for the Braves overall uh, as a replacement there Yeah, I year. was just happy yeah.
1: yeah and I was
0: just happy yeah. he he didn't wind up landing in Baltimore which put me outside of most Oriole fans I I found which uh but I'll I'm okay. <laughs> uh <laughs> uh so Matt, this week at the uh, site, you wrote about uh, three dudes: uh, Nunez, Ruiz, and Alberto. Uh, maybe expand on your on your article there, and just a general take you had had on that trio.
2: I, yeah, I think uh, I mean you can go to BaltimoreSportsAndLife.com dot and and uh, and read the piece. Um, I, I tried to talk about you know what each guy was good at and what what uh, what they needed to you know improve upon. Um, I think you know the Orioles are going to depend upon you know all three of them to some extent. Uh, certainly, let me see. I've got my uh, my chart here. Certainly, um, you know Alberto and and Ruiz will uh, you know will get a lot of playing time. Um, uh, you know Nunez hit thirty one homers last year, uh, which is crazy. But I think it's I I don't think anyone's looking at him like like he's some great uh, you know player um and you know when you look at you know what he's done in the past i i don't think that's really a surprise that said you know it that's that's uh hitting 31 homers is a, is a skill and if he can replicate that you know obviously again on on the uh on a different scale this year um then you know he may have some some value especially you know especially if they get him out of the um, out of the field where he really is not good. Um, yeah,
0: but- uh, we can look at, look at each individually, but starting with Nunez there, I mean, the power is real. You can look at the exit velocity and it's, uh, uh it's, it's way up there and he hits some yeah. tower towering bombs. But, uh, two years ago, his, the metrics, uh, defensive runs saved and who's are they, they are pretty good at third, but all of the scouting reports were oh, it was pretty brutal. And then he hurt his shoulder, and he didn't get really any time at third last year. And uh, even when he was apparently healed, the Orioles just didn't really want him anywhere touching a glove. So then you're looking <laughs> at a, a DH-only type guy, maybe helped if the National League adopts the, uh, the DH in, uh, fully after this year. Uh, but he's... Um, all right. D.H. only value if he has some power, but uh, no on base percentage and and really, you know, <laughs> Homer, Homer bust. Yeah. Um, yeah. Not the worst guy to uh, have around for right now. Not costing anything. And uh, until he is replaced internally by better talent, uh, he's somebody each of these three guys are interesting to watch in terms of, well, they could potentially help a team you can you can squint and you can, you can think about a way that's possible, but uh, it's also highly possible or even plausible that by next year, none of them are, are are Orioles.
2: (laughs) Uh, Yeah. I I think that was my big takeaway, you know, from, from the looking at all three guys is that there, there's a lot of similarities overall, you know, I, it doesn't seem probable that any of them is really a long-term solution in Baltimore, um, but I, if any of them are, uh, long-term major league players, you know, have some value to other teams, then, um, I think that's where the value comes, you know, for the Orioles is the ability to flip them to another team. Um, you know, I, I, I don't think that, you know, the championship, the next Orioles championship is going to feature any of those guys. Um, no, probably so.
0: not. So, Like anybody else, if you can get any return, you can bring back uh, ceiling and years of control for, for any of those guys, uh, probably. Uh, but um, they're here now, so it's it's interesting to watch. Alberto uh, hit for a lot of average last year, hit for a little bit more power in the second half, not a lot, but started to, to actually uh, – it wasn't just punching Judy so much in the second half, did see a few uh, – Uh, some extra base uh, power. Interested to see if if he builds off the second half. Also, defensively, he appeared to be better at second. Figures to play second uh, this year only versus second and third. And the other thing to watch with him were his splits where he just murdered left-handers last year but was pretty brutal uh, against uh, right-handed pitching. So if he's going to be a – everyday player he can't you know be his splits can't be so disparate uh and then the other guy bob i I don't know how much you saw of him uh, uh being there on the left coast is uh ruiz um but ruiz had a nice second half when he came back showed some more power and of the three he would be the one that i guess i have uh the most potential hope for um he had a lot of quality at bats. The average wasn't there, but he's—I uh, saw a guy that I believe could hit for a higher average. Defensively, he was legitimately good at third. He wasn't Machado, but he was a an above-average defensive third baseman. Uh, and you know, there is—he started to show some power, and it carried over into the spring, and now a little—they're seeing it in the summer camp as well. So, in, interesting. Get, get a look at him uh, uh, this year. Uh, Bob, any thoughts on the trio there?
1: Yeah, well, I, w- I did want to uh, bring up Ruiz because reading Matt's article, and you, you guys should check it out. Uh, Matt has a way, a skill. He can write humorously and make me laugh about the Orioles, but with the, I don't think it's mean, and that's that's not that's that's an underrated skill. Um, so check out the article on Baltimore Sports and Life. Um, Ruiz if we can laugh well, that yeah. is, uh, is a we're thing. laughing with you Orioles um, <laughs> yes. so Ruiz you mentioned that he hits the ball hard but he doesn't get that many hits uh, and maybe he's hitting grounders or liners that aren't finding gaps or he's getting unlucky or whatever and so my my question I guess is this a guy who is ripe for a retooled swing? Um to try to hit the ball in the air more, I don't know if Chris have you've heard anything if he's working on this at all um if you're i i think he came
0: back in the second half last year with a bit of a retooled swing uh he was uh injured and then sent down and uh he appeared to like every other player come back with a little bit more of an uppercut and Started to find the seats a little bit more often there in the second half, and slugging percentage went up. Uh, but uh, I, I just, you know, I just saw a guy that had a lot of quality at bats, and I think he's capable of hitting for uh, a more uh, more of an average than you saw. So I'm mean, interested to see what he looks like in a 60 game stretch. And uh, for, for each of these three, probably not going to be part of any future team, but for this year in a 60 game uh, season, they get further time to establish what they are (laughs) and, you know, further experience. So, uh, Hey, there's
2: a, there's a skill, uh, you know, to picking up guys from other teams, turning them into something useful and then selling them off to another team. That is something that, you know, good major league teams do. Mm -hmm. Um, it's, it's a way to increase the overall talent base on your roster. Um, And, and it doesn't cost anything outside the, you know, the normal um, costs of running a baseball team. So, um, you know, if that's something the Orioles can, can do, even, even turning one of these guys into a, into a real prospect would be, would be a huge win. Um, And I keep coming back to this, so I apologize for repeating myself, but, you know, that's where I think this particular uh, season, you know, the, the all the the trappings of the shortened season are are really kind of stepping on the Orioles ability to do that. That that's not to say they won't be able to, um, but I I think it just gets a whole lot more difficult than it would normally be.
0: It does become more difficult. One of the players that Orioles want to evaluate uh, in the 60 game stretch is uh, Santander who uh, had a nice uh, uh, run last year. I'm going to say 350 at bats and I forget the final OPS as he struggled in September, but he showed some power. Uh, this is a guy, a former rule five pick, uh, that, you know, started to, uh, emerge last year. And Brandon Hyde, a manager quoted this week as he returned, uh, after dealing with COVID and being quarantined that, um, you know, he wants to try and get Santander ready for opening day in this about nine day stretch, uh, that he is a big factor for this team and basically, uh, uh, you know, kind of a middle of the lineup presence for, for this lineup. You know, take that as for what it is, for what the, the Orioles talent base is, but for this team he matters. Uh, with Mancini again dealing with his cancer. Uh it means Santander is the right fielder for this year. Uh next to Hayes in center field, Santander is stronger arm than uh, potentially DJ Stewart and left. So uh, he gets gets that time in right field, and it's another another stretch for him. We'll see if he can make the roster to the, uh, to start the year, or if he's going to need a little additional time to get get ready uh, before opening day. Um, Oriole Land. So we're closing in on the uh, on the start of the season, and uh, there's been all types of projections of what this thirty man roster is going to look like, and of course with thirty spots it's basically everybody uh, seemingly has a roster spot uh, 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 it's kind of a it's going to be a hodgepodge roster to begin with obviously uh, the Royals as we've talked about I mean they're projected as the worst team in baseball but they're also starting the year with a rotation that's going to include uh, Malone and uh, LeBlanc and orgelowski. So we're putting all of uh, – it's going to look pretty brutal to start, but uh, we'll see if the prospects can come, come up and join them. Uh, I know you guys haven't directly seen the pro- projected 30-man rosters, but we're getting close to actual baseball, and we can actually talk about that soon so we can uh, see how that looks. I guess the one question for you guys before we wrap up, and we kind of alluded to this earlier, was uh, somebody like Mount Castle. Understandable if the Royals want to hold him down for one week and they can gain that additional year of control. Certainly understand that. At that point, I think he needs to take over left field and play uh, and and have the experience of competition this year uh, versus spending additional time in the extended camp. Uh, What are your thoughts there?
1: Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I Matt. agree. Yeah. I agree with that. I think especially there is no minor league season. So, you know, you you want them playing, uh, you know, practice games with each other or do you want them getting some real time? So let them sit out a week. You don't lose that that uh, time. And then you you get as many guys Mountcastle included that you think will will be a part of your near future. Um, I think uh, 100% I'd do that.
0: And Matt, just rotation-wise, I mean, uh, Malone, LeBlanc, Wojciechowski, we know that these guys are not part of any future. Uh, the last two the last two years, the Royals rotation has not just been bad. It's just been otherworldly, disastrously bad. I mean, you can look at the numbers, and it just boggles the mind of how bad. So <laughs> if, 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 if they could be – if they're horrible, that's a step up from the last two years. (laughs) So I guess I understand in some form of like, well, we don't really want to rush some of these guys developmental wise. uh, And we could have replacement ish level players there in the rotation. And if we can be, they can be horrible again, that is better than what we have seen. And that would be, a uh, step up in competitiveness for the roster but for me I don't care again if they win 10 games or 25 I just want to see the players that have a chance to be part of your uh, of your future and I'm not talking about the actual top four or five prospects in the organization I'm talking about the next six or so guys that are uh, they have a chance to help the back end of a rotation, particularly right now. I'm talking about Keegan Aiken and, and uh, Dean Kremer. Uh, do you see any reason for the Orioles not to be giving those guys an extended experience uh, this this year, as opposed to keeping the aforementioned trio in the rotation?
2: Well, I think it comes down to what the front office, um, you know, what their evaluation of those players are. You know, if they think that they are ready for the major leagues or that they might be ready for the major leagues. Um, and yet they refuse to bring them up, um, then that's something I wouldn't get behind. Um, but if they feel like they are, you know, those pitchers are not not ready for that kind of, I mean, we talked about, you know, how brutal the schedule is going to be in this division. Um, you know, it's there's not going to be really an easy game to be had outside of, you know, the couple that they play against Miami. And, uh, you know, so I I, I think that, they're going to, you know, if they, if they evaluate them as being ready, then, then they should definitely, uh, definitely be up. I, I, you know, primarily, you know, when you're talking about a guy like Rushman or, um, or Mountcastle, even, you know, a guy who could be in Baltimore long-term and be an above average player or better. Uh, I think it makes sense to, you know, to, to play the games with the, with the service time. Um, but you know, it is, It's really hard to see, you know, Dean Kramer in six years um, as a, as a guy that the Orioles are really upset that they don't have that seventh year uh, on. It's, it's far more likely that.
0: Yeah. And if he does enough in year one or two that you've, he's really opened eyes you can always buy another year of of control i mean it's not it's not something you cannot do uh right. and you only have the ability early on in a contract where you have have that ability uh, but these those guys two, have
2: such i'm oh, sorry chris go ahead
0: yeah I, i'm sorry i'm just saying with, with aiken and kramer and guys like uh ballman and loafer wells and zimmerman you, you've got six guys that are uh, usable arms that are better than anything that you've seen in the last couple of years. Who have at least double A and some triple A experience. And I just, I, in this stretch, I want to see them. I, I, I mean, it's and see if they have a chance to, to at least starting next year, to uh, get another extended stretch to earn that next opportunity, and to continue their development this year. But that's enough rambling from me tonight. Uh, Apologies, we're up to about fifty minutes. I've kept Bob and Matt too long, but uh, I've uh, talk uh,
1: talking baseball, man.
0: uh, Yeah, so uh, I'll let them uh, wrap up. Any final thoughts for you guys? Anything on your mind that we didn't cover? Uh, Bob, see, shaking your head. Matt, shaking your head. (laughs) Uh, Well, baseball.
2: We're gonna have actual baseball to talk about. That's gonna be crazy.
0: That is crazy. Actual. Uh, games between the lines that might matter tonight. The Orioles had uh, another uh, scrimmage, and tonight they put on the scoreboard for the first time. They had their PA announcer, uh, uh, and you saw you know, Masson, the Mid-Atlantic Sports Network, to the Orioles, not airing any of the, these uh, uh, games or in a squad, which seems like a lost opportunity. But soon, actual baseball, looking forward to it. Sure. That's the Warehouse for another week. For Matt Corey and Bob Harkins, I'm Chris Turner. Thanks for joining us. Come, uh, join the discussions at Baltimore Sports and Life. Thanks.